The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to rivalfantasy.com or get the Rival Fantasy app. Today is Thursday, April 27th. I am Chris Crawford, and today I'm joined by one of my favorite fantasy writers in both football and baseball. He does fine work at CBS Sports. He's also just a really nice guy. Please welcome Chris Towers to the show. Chris, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's good to be here. I'm I'm excited. It's a, it's a big time because we've got... You know, everybody's overreacting to small sample size baseball stuff. We're <laughs> yeah. getting yelled at about that. And sure. we've got the NFL draft. Everybody gets yelled at about that as well. So it's a fun time for fantasy sports. It's a beautiful time. And I'm glad you brought up the NFL draft. Uh, Chris and I were talking real quick before we recorded. I'm a big Seattle Seahawks fan. And in fact, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that I've got uh, a certain jersey of a certain guy up, Mr. Russell Wilson. And the reason why the Seahawks are picking so high is because of that trade. Extremely nervous. Seahawks have done really well in later round stuff, Tariq Willen and stuff like that. But also screwed the pooch a little bit for some early stuff. I want to ask you, Chris, though, as a fantasy, uh, as a guy who follows this stuff, and we'll get back to baseball, I promise you. Is there any player that you would like really like to see land with a certain team over these first two days, but really today? Yeah, I, I think the most obvious one would be like B. John Robinson. For me, it's more about avoiding like the Cowboys. I really mm. don't want him on the Cowboys, and I feel like that's a thing the Cowboys might do. And I, I just feel like, both Bijan Robinson and Tony Pollard look like first round fantasy players right now. And if they're sure. on the same team, they're probably not first rounders. So I would hate to see that. I've seen a lot of people put them on like Buffalo and Philadelphia. And I think that would be good for real life football, but not necessarily for fantasy. So like to maximize Bijan Robinson's value without screwing anyone else over, mm-hmm. I kind of just want the Falcons to do something dumb and take him eighth overall. Go. I don't actually like, I think that would be a bad idea. I think like, doubling down on this 1984 offense that Arthur Smith decided to run last season. I think that would be bad, but sure. if they're going to do it, let's get a 1500 yard rusher out of it. You there know, you <laughs> like that's, yep. that's, so that's kind of, uh, I also like Jameer Gibbs with the saints is, is another mm. one that like, it feels a little obvious because Jameer Gibbs gets the Alvin Kamara comp a lot, but sure. it feels a little like Alvin Kamara's rookie season where they added Jameson Williams. Okay. He can be the Mark Ingram guy. And yeah. maybe Alvin Kamara's kind of the Adrian Peterson and Jameer Gibbs can be the guy who comes in sure. and just takes over the backfield. Cause he's so electric. Absolutely. I think that's a good call. I will say um, I really hope the Falcons draft Robinson for just one reason. Um, I have accidentally become a huge Desmond Ritter football card collector. And okay. as soon as, as soon as they, they pass on a quarterback there, I'll feel much better about that collection Absolutely, in terms yeah. of its value. Uh, so I just had to ask Chris about that. The NFL draft, obviously a big thing, but I, I know you guys are here for some baseball stuff and we're going to go over some players who have really struggled in April. And it goes without saying that these sample sizes are still extremely small, but it's that time of year where you might be looking to make some moves, some upgrades. So we're going to talk about our level concern with five hitters and five pitchers. Let's start with the hitters because hitters are just more fun. Manny Machado. And, you know, I did think about including Juan Soto, and I saw you had an interesting tweet about Juan Soto today, too, that you could uh, maybe bring up with this as well. But Manny Machado is hitting 214, 250, 286, just the one homer with one stolen base, five base on balls, and 24 strikeouts. Look, Manny Machado was 
in my personal opinion, if you were doing MVP just based on the most value to a franchise, was probably the MVP last year. He kind of saved the Padres and was very helpful for fantasy rosters as a guy who I think was taken mostly in this late second, early third, maybe even a little further than that. Drafted much earlier this year, hasn't lived up to expectations. What's your level of concern with Manny Machado thus far? I can't say it's zero because he's been really bad and not just like he's had bad results. The underlying numbers are all pretty gross. You look at the StatCast page, it's all blue. You know, it's it's nearly all blue, a lot of mm-hmm. deep blue as well. So it, I can't say it's nothing, but like Manny Machado is, I think this is his 10th MLB season, 12th MLB season. He's been around for a long time. Sure. He's been really, really good for a long time. And that's the kind of player that I just tend to give a lot of latitude to, even with the stat cast data being poor. So it's the kind of thing where like, I'm not saying we just ignore the stat cast data for, you know, veteran players, because it can be a leading indicator of diminishing skills. But it's also like, I tend to think Manny Machado's just cold right now. Right. And I think that's showing up. And, and you know, I, I one thing I talk a lot about is like, Stackcast gives us really, really good information. And it's mm-hmm. really useful and it's granular and it, it's it's super helpful. But I think one thing that it has done is it has tended to create sort of false senses of certainty sure. about player skill set because you know it's like how hard you throw, how hard you hit the baseball, how fast you run. Those are Stackhouse is identifying and quantifying talent, basically. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. But the thing that we have to keep in mind is talent fluctuates. Sure. Sometimes guys, like, there's like a mean that over the course of 162 games, Manny Machado's talent level will probably be around that mean. But throughout that season, there are going to be times when he's just completely locked in and his talent level is way higher. And then there are going to be times when he's just out of it he's in a funk he's cold whatever you want to say and so that's my assumption with what we're seeing with Manny Machado I think it is slightly different from Juan Soto because you know Juan Soto struggled last year I think it's fair to say but a lot of the things that he was doing looked mostly like what he'd done for most of his career that's different this season we've never seen Juan Soto strike out as much I think he's He's got 21 strikeouts over his last 15 games was a stat that I saw. He's never done that in a 15-game stretch before. His line drive rate is 5% right now on on 61 batted balls. So he's got three line drives in in 20-something games. So like Manny Machado or Juan Soto's swing is just messed up right now. He's pulling everything. He's getting on top of the ball. He's hitting a lot of ground balls. He's Still hitting the ball pretty hard when he does, but the the strikeouts have been an issue. Uh, the whiff rate is way up. So I do think I have slightly more concern about Juan Soto than Manny Machado, but I have so much faith in both. of Like, generally speaking, bet on Hall of Famers, right? Like, these are yeah. two guys who are almost certainly headed to the Hall of Fame at the end of their careers. Obviously, there's Absolutely. a long way to go for both of them, mm-hmm. but... I have a high degree of confidence that these guys are going to end up in the Hall of Fame. That's a type of player that I just, I think you bet on even when the numbers don't support it. Yeah, I totally agree. And by the way, uh, a few people have brought this up in chat that Machado's two for three with a homer today. So all Good. it took was fading, hey, <laughs> facing Hayden Wisnecki and me having an idea of him struggling is all it took. You are all very welcome. Uh, hopefully this works for Jazz Chisholm. Now look, Chisholm does have five home runs and seven stolen bases, which you will take. But he's also hitting 220, and he has a 37 to 6 <laughs> strikeout to walk ratio. Very good for a pitcher, not great for a hitter. Obviously, I think the power and speed is going to be there, Chris, but the average has always been the concern with this guy. What's your level of concern with Chisholm based on what you've seen so far? Yeah, the uh I, I don't know how much like this this is one of those ones where it's it's tough to figure out like there might be some carryover from him struggling in the field and having to put mm-hmm. in so much work getting used to playing center field that, Great point. you know, I, I actually think he's been pretty good mm-hmm. defensively lately. I think the first week was a real struggle, and I'm sure you guys all saw the the highlights of that. But, right. you know, I'm a Marlins fan. I, I watch most of their games, and I actually think he's looked really good over the last, like, two weeks. It's just, 
the the bat hasn't been there. He's swinging and missing even more than normal. Um, I'm trying to, yeah. So like the zone contact rate is down to 71.8%. That's never going to be great for him, but that's a, that's an especially low number. I mean, right. Look, Aaron judge is in that same range. Mm-hmm. So you can survive, but right. You know, Jess Chisholm is a very good power hitter. He's not Aaron judge. And no. so, you know, I, I do think there, there's, I don't know if it's like there are holes in his swing that have been discovered because they've always been there, but he's just swinging and missing a lot right now. The contact rate overall, uh, whiff rate overall up to 39%. That's really, really alarming. So this is another one where I have a high degree of confidence that Jazz Chisholm will get it back. He's, you know, he's had the power, he's had the speed production so far. So it's like, even when things aren't going well for him, the fact that he's on, you know, what, uh, basically a 30 30 pace is a, a pretty good sign and, and a good sign that there's a high floor here, even when he's struggling. Um, but I can't say I'm not at all concerned because he's a super high variance player. We knew that going into the season um, and there, there were always going to be stretches like this for him. The fact that it's happening in April makes it a little more concerning, but I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. No, but I do think that this is what um, you have to see. There are going to be weeks where Jazz Chisholm is more of a herder than a helper. That is just going to happen because of all of the issues that you laid out. There are going to be issues where the strikeouts are just going to overtake. And if he's not stealing bases and he's not hitting homers, it's not a great option. It's one of the reasons why I struggle taking a guy like him super early. Uh, by the way, somebody in chat just brought up that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have reached a new deal. So yeah. you'll be, uh, you will be doing some uh, some fun stuff, I think, at CBS yeah. Sports involving that. But uh, that's, that's exciting. I'm glad that – I hope Lamar got the bag because he definitely deserves it. But look, you talked about baseball savant. One of the biggest things for – big things for me with savant is they can lead to confirmation bias because they're not predictive – but they yeah. do kind of illustrate what's gone wrong. Like he's in the bottom two percentile in strikeouts. He's in the bottom four percent in whiff. Ultimately, I think the power and speed is there enough that he's going to be a strong fantasy option. Uh, somebody asked a really good question here, uh, and thank you to everybody who's joined us in the YouTube chat. Uh, Manchado went off while I had him on my bench. Is it a mistake to bench your stars when slumping, or would you rather write it out? I think it's a case by case basis, Chris. Wouldn't yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, it, you know it's. Like with Jazz, he's a drain on your batting average right now. I think you probably still want to play him because he's the kind of guy who can go one for five with four strikeouts, but that one could be a home run or it could be a single and two steals. So he's he has so many different ways to contribute that it's 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 hard for me to get away from him. And also just this is actually probably a limitation for me as a fantasy player. I tend to just trust that guys will figure it out and I don't tend yeah. to ride the hot hand especially like a Manny Machado or Jazz Chisholm where there have probably you know I would have probably been better off sitting Manny Machado this season so far but like if my if my opinion on Manny Machado as a player hasn't changed it means that it hasn't really changed for the next seven games or for the next 130 games you know I, I generally think he's going to be good and he's just going to be good at any point, which is ob- not how it works. Every player's production fluctuates, but absolutely, I don't have any faith in my ability to predict when those fluctuations are going to happen. Maybe other people do, and yeah. you can play that way, but that's that's generally not the way I play. Yeah, I, I am the exact same way. Let it ride, baby. The, the, the good, and hopefully it, it works out for the best, but I am always... The FOMO for me is it's the opposite. It is my fear of putting that dude on the bench mm-hmm. and him having a day like today. It is much more a worrisome for me. Somebody also asks about, should I be panicking about Trey Turner? We didn't talk about this, but Trey Turner pretty much got off to this exact same start last year and ended up just fine. I imagine you feel that way as well, right? Yeah, that's another one that, you know, I, I was a little worried before last season that like, oh, the dejuiced ball, you know, that yeah. might hurt him more, but He's one of those guys who just always, whether it's, you know, when he was almost a 30 homer guy in 2021 
And, you know, when the juice ball era really took off, he started hitting for more power, became this overall better hitter, started running a little less. I think he's one of those guys who just whatever the shape of his production is going to be, it's going to be very, very good at the end of the season. And so it, it's a little disappointing that he hasn't run more this season, actually only four steals when, you know, nine guys already have eight, I think this year. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm not too worried about him now. No, I think he will end up being a top five, maybe even a top three fantasy player. I think we maybe got a little uh, spoiled by the power he showed at the World Baseball Classic, and we thought he might get off to a super hot stop there. It just There are some guys who just get off to mediocre starts with pop, and Trey Turner has kind of been that guy. He's not an elite yeah. power hitter anyway, but for the most part in his career, everything's worked out all right. So Dalton Varsho came in, I think, with pretty high expectations after being traded for in another fascinating Arizona Diamondback trade, we just talked about <laughs> Jazz Chisholm for Zach Gallen. I think we'll talk about Gabriel Gabriel Moreno for uh, Dalton Varsho, essentially what the trade was. I know Lourdes Curiel is also involved in there. But it has not been a terribly impressive start. 198, 300, 314, just the two homers. Does have the four steals, 11 base on balls, and 25 strikeouts. I think the catcher eligibility is kind of carrying him right yeah. now in terms of that. But... You know, I, I won't ask you for 2024 expectations, although I think that's that is interesting. I think Dalton Varsho's value goes way down when he's not going to have that catcher eligibility. But for right now, what's your level of concern? Uh, he, he's tough because it's definitely like less so than than Jazz and certainly Machado. I I'm not sure that Dalton Varsho is a very good hitter. You know, he was for a catcher good last season, but mm-hmm. for a catcher, you know, if you're a 750 OPS bat, right. With a 235 batting average, like he was last season, that means that there are going to be good outlier stretches and, and potentially even seasons where you hit 260 and you have an 840 OPS. Mm-hmm. That also means that just, there are going to be years and stretches where you just aren't very good and you hit 210. And that that's the problem with a player who is a somewhat marginal talent, which I, I think Dalton Varsho is. And, you know, the one thing that I always look for with a guy like him is how's he doing against lefties? And he hasn't been good, but that's not really the issue. You know, he, he's got a 648 OPS against lefties. He's six for 20, actually hitting 300, hasn't struck out much against them. The problem is he's not hitting well against righties. He's hitting 167 with a 604 OPS. Like, that's the thing is when you're talking about a player like Dalton Varsho, you're hoping that they just keep their head above water against lefties. And that's what he's doing. He's just been a disaster against righties. And, and I feel pretty confident given how good he was against them in, in 2022 and 2021 that he will figure it out. But, you know, I, I'm certainly not a hundred percent confident that he will, because, you know, he's always been a, a somewhat more marginal talent. And uh, I, I think the concern here would just be that, does he keep playing every day if he keeps struggling like this? You know, I, he, it hasn't really been an issue so far, but I could see that being a concern if we get into mid-May and his OPS is still in the low 600s that the Blue Jays, you know, start sitting him a little more often. And then that's the the case for him, even as a catcher, is well, you're going to get so much more volume from right. him than everyone else. And what if you don't? You that's know, then great. it starts to look a little more marginal. That's a great point. And I will say this too, like it's interesting how he's getting beaten. Like he's not been great against secondary stuff, but he's been straight up terrible against fastballs this year against four seam fastballs. He's hitting 174, whiffing 21% of the time. I think the one thing that has been uh, nice for me to see is he's still keeping that solid approach. He hasn't been pressing. He's walking Mm -hmm. in the 69th percentile. Chase rate 36th, but, you know, those two things, not necessarily a correlation. I think he will help you with the steals. But I think that people might have gotten ahead of themselves, like ranking him as the top two or three catcher. Like, I get it, and I'm concerned about – like, Salvador Perez is somebody that I also was thinking about bringing up here. Mm -hmm. I'm actually pretty concerned about Salvador Perez for a few reasons, one of them just being that father time is a real you-know-what. But – I think Varsho is a talented guy. But again, 
like this is not a transcendent talent. He, he's in a nice situation with the Toronto Blue Jays. He should have some good RBI chances. He should put up a solid. I, I like him a lot better in an on base percentage league than an yeah. average league because there's certainly some swing and miss issues there. But I'd be a little worried. And if somebody is like offering me a, a kit and caboodle for Dalton Varsho right now because of that catcher eligibility. He's the one guy that we've talked about so far that I'm really considering in a trade, because if you can go give me, let's say you can give me Cal rally and you can give me a solid outfielder or a solid starting pitcher. I think that'd be something I would be considering. Yeah. Cal rally is going to give you negative value on the bases, but I think the power is going to be there. I think their average and on base percentages are actually in terms of talent, pretty similar. Marshall, yeah. would you agree? That's the one guy we've talked about so far that you absolutely consider in the deal. Yeah, it's actually it's been a pretty rough season for the top catchers so far. Yes. You know, that was one of the storylines coming in was well, this might be the best catcher's been in a long time. And I always yeah. push back on that. Just like in fantasy football, we always there's always some point in the offseason where like, is tight end not terrible? And it's like, no, tight end will be terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's going to and and that's and that's part of partially just the the reality of the the position. And we've seen that unfortunately with Will Smith, where you know, he's been on the concussion IL for almost two weeks now. Right? right. And it's one of the, like, that's just what happens for catchers. They get dinged up. They they're, they're at a high risk for injury at the, the attrition rate is super high, but like Rayo Muta has been pretty bad so far. Varsho has been bad. Will Smith obviously has missed a lot of time. Adley Rushman has been awesome. That's been great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's been basically the only top 10. Ca- well, Sean Murphy as well, although. Yeah. It's fun to remember 10 days into the season when he had started half the games and people were freaking out about that. If you, yep, if you remember I that, I do. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting season for the top catchers. I, I think Varsha will definitely be better than he has been so far, but uh, yeah, a, l- a little bit of concern here relative to the other guys. So he's been pretty bad. This guy has just been flat out terrible and I don't like it because he's one of my favorite players and Eloy Jimenez, 172, 243, 313, two homers, only seven RBIs, a 23 to six strikeout to walk ratio. Look, everybody on the White Sox stinks right now. And um, I kind of can't help but wonder what Tony LaRusso is thinking about this. Not that I think Tony LaRusso was a good manager, but I do wonder if he has a little bit of Schadenfreude going on here. I personally am concerned about Eloy Jimenez. What say you, my friend? Um, it's it's a I don't know the vibes are so bad in Chicago that it, it's <laughs> it's hard and he you know missed a little bit of time and that's always tough when you get dis- disrupted early in the season he I felt so confident that he was going to be a good hitter this season that I didn't Me really I, I haven't really like even given much thought to his struggles yet um, he's another guy though that like you look at the the data and it just kind of seems like a lot of the same issues as Juan Soto's having, where it's just like, it seems like there's something busted in his swing right now. His launch angle is down to 1.6 degrees on average. That's he's never been a fly ball guy. He's always been a line drive guy, but that's really low for him. And he's pulling everything. 41% pull rate is career high. Um, So that along with the strikeout rate suggests that there's just something I'm not a, a swing guy, so I, I can't uh, I can't say that I, I I'm able to analyze and, and diagnose what's wrong. But totally fair, you know, getting pulling a lot of balls, hitting a lot of ground balls. It sounds like he's just a little early, and you know the the timing might be off. So I think he'll figure it out. He's such a talented hitter, and you know the issue for him has been more injuries than performance. So yeah. I. I have some confidence that he'll figure it out, but it's, I also do wonder if this is just one of those seasons for Chicago, right? Where just everything goes wrong. Yep. And look, it's silly to say this on April 27th, but that baseball team scares the crap out of me. And here's the thing. I think Eloy Jimenez long-term is still a great play, but I just, I've watched him bat a bunch this year and he's pressing. Like he is swinging at pitches that he doesn't normally swing at. Like his chase rate is near the bottom of baseball. Mm-hmm. His whiff rate is the bottom of baseball. He has earned these poor results. And I worry about the fact that like, if you drafted Eloy Jimenez, one of the things you're really hoping for is a bunch of RBI, especially rate wise when he's yeah. on. And I don't think he's going to get those this year. Even well, when he gets stuff figured out, we're talking maybe more like a 70, 80 RBI pace. That's concerning to me. Yeah. And, and part of the issue, and one of the reasons I've, 
been lower on Eloy Jimenez for most of his career than a lot of people. It's just even when things are going well in Roto, he's a three category guy. That's a great, you know, he's a good source of batting average. He he's a good source of power. will drive in runs. Scoring runs has never been part of his game. He's got 164 and 333 games. You just do the pace on that. It's not terrible, but it's like 80 over the course of a full season. Obviously zero steals. He is, he's one of those guys that like the sprint speed is always okay. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I feel like it's lying because he, he seems like the least athletic player in baseball. That, that might not be fair. It's like maybe once he gets going, he he can he can hit a pretty decent top speed, but but he's right. like uh what was the what was the boat that got stuck in the Suez Canal? Oh, I forget the name of it. But yeah, he, that's he reminds great. me of one of those. <laughs> like it just takes him forever to turn. Like it just yeah. any change of direction for Eloy Jimenez, he's got to come to a complete stop and like swing his whole body. It's it's so he's never gonna be a good source of runs because he doesn't walk a ton, he doesn't uh you know, he doesn't run the base as well. So I think that's always going to be an issue. But, you know, if the lineup is suddenly below average, are we talking about a 27 homer, 84 RBI, 285 hitter? That's decent, but it's probably Mm -hmm. not the guy we were hoping for. Exactly. Uh, This guy is much more athletic than Eloy Jimenez, but his first full season so far has not gotten off to a great start, and that's Gunnar Henderson. 194, 357 on base percentage, which I'll talk about in just one sec. 328, two homers, one stolen base, 28 strikeouts compared to 16 walks. Look, rookies struggle all the time, Chris, but are you a little bit disappointed slash concerned with what we've seen from Gunnar Henderson so far? It's making me, uh, as as the kids say, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to, uh, it's giving Kevin Biggio vibes. There so far go. now wow. the key the key difference and, w- and what i mean by that is i think so far gunner henderson has probably tripped over the line between patient and passive yes and wh- what you want is the ideal is guys don't swing at bad pitches guys swing at good pitches that's really hard to do if you can mm-hmm. do that you're going to be one of the best hitters in baseball consistently he last season was a he swung at 66% of pitches inside the strike zone, league average 67%. So that's a perfectly viable rate, especially because his chase rate was just 18%. This season, chase rate still 20%. That's perfectly fine. Problem is the zone swing rate has dropped to 55.7%. That's not good. And the number of pitches he's seeing inside of the strike zone is pretty much the same. You know, 48% last year, 47.4%. So I, I think the problem, and, and that's not the only problem. He's also swinging and missing a bunch when he does swing. Um, but I think the biggest problem here is just that he's been overly passive. I think that was an issue with Yohan Makata early on in his career. And, and it it's actually, if if I had to make a, a comp, that would probably be the one that I would yeah. make right now, more so than Kevin Biggio, because the problem with Kevin Biggio also was he just like physically was very limited. You know, he didn't hit the ball very hard. He was a decent athlete, but, you know, Yoan Makata, the, the thing with him was always, man, when this guy makes contact, good things happen. And he just, he, he, he looked at too many good pitches was the right. problem. And, and when Yoan Makata had that breakout, that was the big key for him. And so Gunnar Henderson hitting the ball hard, you know, 79th percentile average exit velocity, uh, 67th percentile barrel rate, like, Good things are happening when he's making contact. He's just not. He's probably letting a few too many good pitches go by. Um, and I think that's probably fixable. But it's also a mental thing. And right. it's the type of thing that like, how how can we know whether he's going to fix that unless one, they identify it, he puts in the work and then, you know, does it in games until he does. I think it's fair to be skeptical. Yes. My big thing here is like, I, I looked a bunch at Gunnar Henderson stuff and I think you hit the nail on the head that there is a fine line between being assertive and just flat out passive. And he's going to have to make that adjustment. The other thing is if you throw a slider to Gunnar Henderson, you're going to have a good time. He has faced 20 and 21 plate appearances against them. He's hitting 056 with a 0.195 weighted above average. Now, That 195 is a bad number for average, 
for weighted on base average, it's really yeah. terrible, like really, really bad. So it's just an adjustment period. I think that Gunnar Henderson would actually probably be one of those guys we talked about that's on my bench for a little bit until I see to sure. see some some spurts. I love the roster versatility. Um, it is worth pointing out that, and I will caution with everybody in baseball savant that outs above average is a flawed stat anyway. In April, it's an extremely flawed stat. He's in the bottom one percentile there. So I think he is going to be more of a third baseman than a shortstop, but it is nice that I'll have both of those uh, positions to play. But Gunnar Henderson is a guy I think you can easily, I wouldn't drop him. He would be on yeah, my bench, definitely not. but I definitely somebody that I think you might want to put on your bench for a little bit until he starts hitting. Uh, nobody asked about Julio Rodriguez and thank you because Julio Rodriguez is perfect, has never made a mistake. Any numbers <laughs> that tell you otherwise are absolutely false. Uh, we're going to talk about pitching in the next half of the show, but first we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rivals fantasy games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head -head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings, but if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.fantasyrivalry.com slash sign up and use code ROTOWIREMLB to sign up and deposit in a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. And baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, and every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team, live and in person. Plus. With Vivid Seat Rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets, then simply cash in your credit towards your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Now, here's a pro tip reward. If you buy tickets for your whole group, you split the bill, and you make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the play to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just, vivid, viv, just visit vividseats.com. Air or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Chris, you've been you're a big concert guy. Have you been to uh 
uh, any fun shows uh, in the last uh, couple of days? I was thinking that while I was reading. Oh, you're muted, my friend. I forgot to tell you to unmute. This is what I do every time. I, is, I, you know what? I almost, I almost said, you know what? But will it be a jerk move if I say, remember to unmute your microphone? But no, no, please talk I, about... I would have appreciated that. Uh, <laughs> we'll have it next time, my friend. I, I'm wearing my Charlie Bliss shirt. I, nice. I saw Charlie Bliss on Tuesday night uh, at a, a venue in Brooklyn. It was awesome show. One of my favorite bands in the whole wide world. It was their first awesome. uh, headlining show in New York City in, in four years uh, nice. since pre-pandemic days. So that was my most recent one. I've my my wife and I have a spreadsheet with all the concerts we're going to. I, That's I awesome. don't want to think about how much money we would have if we didn't go to so many concerts. We're going to <laughs> Philadelphia to see Taylor Swift in a couple oh, of weeks as well. So that so that one especially uh, yeah. Yeah. setting setting us back. I totally understand. Uh, I have not been to a concert in a very long time, but I am going to see Japanese breakfast at the Woodland oh. Park Zoo this summer, and I'm really excited for that. Love love her. Yeah, she's uh, we, so fantastic. We, we saw her at uh, Barnes and Noble doing a book reading or a book oh, like, cool. talk for her her novel her her memoir, which if you haven't read Crying in H Mart is unbelievably good and oh, also definitely one of the best musicians going right now. So she's fantastic. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. Chris Sale has not been fantastic, Chris. That's a fun segue. He has an 8.0 ERA, 30 strikeouts and 10 walks. It looked like he may have turned a corner in the start before his most recent one, but he had, I believe, I know he had no strikeouts. I believe he had no swings and misses in that start as well. And there was a bit of a, a hullabaloo uh, between the two managers after some comments from Alex Cora. What I think uh, Cora actually meant was, is that sale was tipping pitches more than he was ex accusing uh, Baltimore yeah. of cheating. That's how I took it. I could be wrong, but Chris Sale, for the most part, has looked pretty darn terrible this year. What is your level of concern for the remainder of the 2023 campaign? He did have two whiffs, uh, so okay. not quite as okay. bad. But it was, I think, the the lowest he's had in a start where he wasn't ejected or left with an injury. So yeah, okay, wow. Um, he's been he's been terrible, and I've felt this acutely because he's been on pretty much all of my teams. I had. Uh, what one one league with Lodolo and Sale uh, at the same? I think they both pitched on Monday this week. Had two leagues with Sale and Edward Cabrera on Monday when he was terrible. So it's been a it's been a rough ride for uh, for me and my namesake Chris Sale. It's been really bad. I I don't know. I because I, I bet on him this season being like a Justin Verlander type bounce back coming off you know obviously he wasn't coming off tommy john surgery he was coming off i think the the wrist and then rib injuries last season but i figured you know those weren't related to pitching right one of them was from a bicycle accident one of them was actually the other one was from pitching but it wasn't like an arm injury so i right i thought the chances of a bounce back were pretty good and i'm kind of pot committed at this point right like <laughs> i have him in so many leagues i don't really think there's anything i can do like I'm trying not to start him if I can, but I have some leagues mm -hmm. where I don't really have an option because right. Justin Verlander, Robbie Ray, Chris Sale was like my ideal start for pitchers. I was going like Verlander in the third, Robbie Ray in the fifth, and then wait until like the eighth or ninth to get Chris Sale. And that was my pitching strategy, and it's not going so well. So uh, I'm, I have, I think the stuff for Chris Sale has mostly looked pretty good. Yeah, I agree. You know, the the slider still has bite. I don't know if he's had the feel for the changeup yet. The usage has been a little down with that, but overall, I do think it's mostly a command slash. Uh, I don't know what the what the word mechanics or or you know just I, he's not quite right, and yes. I, I think there were there are talks about. Uh, you know, Chris Sale was saying a lot of the same things. Alex Cora was saying a lot of the same things after the start that he's just not quite right. You know, that they're they're both doing the like, well, he's when in when he's in the bullpen, it looks great. And then he gets out on the mound. And it's like, I don't actually know if that means anything or if that tells us anything, but I he'll certainly be better than this. The question is, does he cut his ERA in half and he's still not very good? 
or can he get back to being, you know, more like a low to mid threes guy with a ton of strikeouts? I think because the strikeout rate and and swinging strike rates are all still pretty good, I think he'll get there eventually. And it's just a question of he's just got to pitch better, you know. And and I know that's not the most advanced form of of analysis possible, but I, I really think that's what it comes down to. So I was before the season thinking that the hype for Chris sale was just a little much just because of how much time he had missed. And, you know, his arm action does still scare the crap out of me, but for the most part, you're right. The injuries have not been arm related stuff, but now I think people are panicking just a little bit too much. My concern here is like the strikeout numbers are good. The whiff numbers are good. Chris sale has relied on deception and getting people to swing at pitches outside of the zone as much as like any pitcher in baseball and they're just not chasing his stuff right now. So I do wonder if there's some tipping going on here or, you know, just not relying on the stuff quite as much, like not getting, throwing that slider in enough, you know, cause when (laughs) against left-handers that slider, you have no shot, but for right-handers, it can be pretty tough too. Cause it's coming down and in right around your ankles. I just haven't seen quite that filthy slider that he's shown. The velocity has been fine. Um, and a lot of these metrics suggest that he's been bad, but not 8.00 bad. Like, like it's been it's been rough. But at this point, I would honestly say, and Chris, you can tell me, I'd be kind of looking at him as a buy low candidate. Yeah, you know, I do a trade values chart every week where I, I basically just, you know, do the, the salary cap values from the preseason and keep them going in the regular season. And got to be honest, it's a lot of work doing that yes. every week. I. Yeah. I always forget that. And then in season, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is like a whole day thing. Um, <laughs> and I've dropped him quite a bit, but I, I still have him very much in the I want to keep this guy on my roster range. And there are probably most people who have Chris Sale on their team who don't want to yes. keep him on their roster. So I think there is a buying opportunity here. I think he can be good. Um, my my confidence level in him giving, you know, a borderline ace outcome is certainly shaken, but sure. I still think that's potentially on the table. Absolutely. Yep. And and you know what? Some of that is because when you trade for Chris Sale, you don't take that 8.00 exactly. ERA with you. You are going to get the numbers that he's going to put forward. And I can and so almost like, guarantee he's going to be better. If I could move Graham Ashcraft for him, Graham Ashcraft is a guy who the results have been really, really good so far. There was a bit of hype coming into the season. I think there's probably still some residual hype on there. I think the numbers so far are, are, are sort of, I don't want to say fraudulent, but that was the word that I, I no, came to, I, but I, I just, he doesn't get the swings and misses despite the stuff looking really good and, and rating out really good. You know, I think he's a top 15 pitcher by, by the stuff plus metric. Um, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't translate to strikeouts and, and even in the minors, he had decent strikeout rate numbers, right. but not, you know, not, you know, 37% or, or Mason, not, not Mason Miller stuff, certainly. Um, so I, I think he's probably going to be a guy, Graham Ashcraft, who just doesn't get the strikeouts that we want him to. And I, I would be looking to, if I could move him for Chris sale right now, I would do that. Yeah. Uh, I love challenge trades, by the way, challenge trades are the best in real life. And they are very fun in fantasy baseball. Yes. So Ryan Presley was one of the best closers in baseball last year. And has not looked like it. And the main reason I have concern actually has nothing to do with stuff. Now, a 4.35 ERA is not great. He has eight strikeouts to two walks. He only has two saves. And it's worth pointing out that, uh, how the heck did I just forget the name? Brian Abreu also has two saves. And Rafael Montero also has a save. How concerned are you about Ryan Presley being the set it and forget it closer for the remainder of the season? And is he someone you might be looking to make a move for or against? I think I'd be trying to buy because there was there was something weird early in the season. I think he was uh, he was not feeling well. He was under the weather. There was some kind of ill-defined illness uh, that, right. you know, early like the first week of the season that opened the door for a couple of other opportunities. I think the Brian Abreu back-to-back saves this weekend were particularly concerning, but then on Wednesday, Ryan Presley got the save. So and pitched well. I think it's just there's been some something going on that they haven't quite given us full context for because it's not super uh, concerning, but it's like 
there have been times when he's just been unavailable for various reasons. You know, I know he's dealt with a knee issue on and off over the past couple of seasons as well. So I, I do wonder if there, there's just something there that's changed his usage a little bit. But I, I genuinely do think he's going to be the closer moving forward. I think Dusty Baker is the kind of manager who wants a set closer. And I think it's most – my hunch is that it's mostly just – been some weird situations and weird circumstances that have have led to the usage so far but i think he'll be okay i do too i will say though that i there's no safety net as our buddy chad just put yep. in the thing like that the, the fact that brian Abreu can be that guy my main reason i'm hanging on to presley i don't know how many of these guys are left chris like yeah. the, baseball has changed for the better and it's why if you're playing in a five by five league and you want to eliminate that save stat, you are not an idiot. You you yeah. should be looking at different ways to play. 2023, we know that the save is a very flawed stat. Uh, Chris, somebody asked me an interesting question in chat, if you don't mind. Uh, rest of season road league preference, Mackenzie Gore or Eduardo Rodriguez? I've been really impressed with Eduardo Rodriguez myself, and I think that he might be playing for a much better baseball team in the coming weeks, which yeah. is another thing to go. But I also have been impressed with what I've seen from Gore at times, too. Which one do you prefer? I'm an Erod guy. Uh, I'm a big believer. I think the you know, he's he's had some weird situations over the past couple of seasons. Remember, we thought his career might be over right. when he uh, when he came down with myocarditis after getting COVID in 2020. Right. And then last year, there was whatever was going. I don't think we ever really knew what was going on when he left the team, something behind the scenes. Um, but his velocity's back to, you know, what it was in like 2019 when he was really good in 2021 when he was not as good, but had good underlying numbers. Um, I feel a little more confident in him than, than Mackenzie Gore just because, one, we saw a similar stretch from Mackenzie Gore last year. Remember, I think his first nine games, eight starts, he had a 150 ERA and like 58 Look strikeouts and 47. Yeah, he looked awesome. Yeah, But at the time, my thought was, this is too fastball heavy to really work. You know, he's got split issues. He's got command issues and control issues. And that's certainly been a problem for him so far. I think four walks and three of his five starts. And so I just, I don't know. I don't know if you can survive throwing 65% fastballs unless you've got Carlos Rodon's fastball. And Mackenzie Gore's got a good one. You know, throwing 94, 95 from the left side with, you know, a funky arm angle and he hides the ball well. Like, I think he does have a good fastball. I think just at some point it's going to catch up to him. And so I, I might have a little more faith in Eduardo Rodriguez. And I think also just if you're trying to trade one of them, I think Mackenzie Gore is just a sexier name that, that you're likely to get more back for. Yep. And I will say this, I really like Gore long term, especially. And I'm so happy he's pitching well yeah. um, going after going through borderline the yips if it wasn't actually the yips it was yips adjacent yeah he's look great he, he is actually throwing having some command issues right now but like all the other numbers are great my biggest issue is the nationals are still a terrible baseball team and detroit is too but if one of those guys was going to get traded the nationals aren't trading mackenzie gore he's a very big important part of what they're doing uh i'm not so sure eduardo rodriguez is an important part of what detroit is doing Blake Snell is kind of an important part of what San Diego's doing, but the Blake Snell experience has been alive and well, my friend. <laughs> a 5.48 ERA, 18 walks in 23 innings, now with 26 strikeouts as well. But <laughs> if you drafted Blake Snell, you had to be prepared for this. At the same time, is he somebody you'd be looking to move on from or making a deal for or against? Uh, the... the analogy I like to use for a player like Blake Snell is uh, let's say there's a, a, a solar eclipse. I think there's one coming up actually, right? Right. They always tell you in the newspapers, don't look at it, you know, come up with one of those viewfinders or get the glasses, whatever. Don't, sure. but don't look directly at the solar eclipse because the UV rays are still going and it's going to mess up your eyes. That's how I feel it looking at the solar eclipse and then getting mad at the solar eclipse for hurting your <laughs> eyes would be stupid. Yeah, that's and that's right. how I feel about drafting Blake Snell and then getting mad when Blake Snell is Blake Snell. Right. We know who he is. We've there, there is, there is no question about like when Blake Snell is on, he's awesome. And when he's yep. off, he's terrible. And he is almost never on consistently over the course of a full season. He's a guy who, 
tinkers with his release point, tinkers with his pitch mix. And there's always these like, why doesn't he just do this all the time? Why don't they build the whole plane out of the black box, right? Like, you know, it's, it's for whatever reason, Blake Snell just can't do it consistently. I don't know what the answer is. And, and maybe I think he's heading into free agency after this season. Maybe he'll sign somewhere that can, that can maximize his, his consistency and, and make him a better pitcher. But I just, I think this is who Blake Snell is and it's frustrating. And I, and I think you just have to ride the ups and downs and, and maybe you just bench him. Yeah. You oh know, maybe, gosh. maybe it's, it's the kind of thing where like when things are going poorly, you bench him, but then, you know, he'll randomly have an 11 strikeout game 100%. out of nowhere. And so it's, yeah. it's very frustrating. I, there might be something like th- there are so many smart fantasy analysts and baseball writers out there there. There might be some specific, tell for Blake Snell that like when he's doing this, he's about to figure out when he's not doing, I I don't know what that is. You know, I I thought like last year he started throwing his slider more in the second half and maybe that's it, but like, he's not doing that now. So I I don't know if that's just, well, he just needs to throw his slider more. Maybe he does. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't have him on any of my teams this year. It's not necessarily that I think Blake Snell is bad. I just, I find him so confounding that I'd rather not, deal with it it's that's a great way to put it it's just like if he's not on your roster you don't have to worry about these literally last night the five walk five strikeouts and actually he pitched pretty well against the cubs like he only gave up the two runs but you just i mean look this season that's that's a good start it's a good start if you're not giving up five runs in five innings that's a good start at this point (laughs) absolutely and look it's funny too. Like I was looking at it and Blake Snell for a guy who has pretty good secondary stuff has a chase rate in the 25th percentile. Well, of course it is because you're pretty much thinking that Blake Snell is going to throw you a ball every single time. Yeah. Why would you chase? Why would you be fooled by anything that he's throwing? Because his command can be so bad. By the way, I think he will be a Seattle Mariner. He really wants to play for the Seattle Mariners. I didn't tell you that. Everybody else uh, didn't hear that <laughs> as well. Uh, Nick Lodolo, five games. Here's the good with Nick Lodolo. A 37 to nine strikeout to walk ratio is very good. A 1.87 whip and a 6.31 ERA is very bad. Which one are you focusing more on with Nick Lodolo? I think the the biggest issue so far has been the strike or the the home runs, right? He's given up yeah. six of them in five starts. And I want to say, well, yeah, home runs happen sometimes, but he probably won't keep giving up multiple home runs per start. But he does pitch in arguably the best home run park in baseball. And, and that was always the issue with both Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. You know, we, we had these two guys who clearly talented, clearly great stuff, different approaches but both very good pitchers clearly but it's like can they maximize that one pitching just on a bad team you know with a bad supporting cast and then in in a park that just is incredibly unforgiving i mean you make a mistake in cincinnati and it's a lot different than making a mistake in miami you know like the ball's just gonna the the you know that that 345 foot fly ball can turn into a home run in cincinnati in, in where it might not be in a lot of other places so it's a little concerning, yeah, but I, I think in Nick Lodolo's case, the stuff is really good. The, the curveball and changeup results are excellent so far this season as they were last year. Um, you know, it it might be a case where, like, he's really stopped throwing the sinker so far. He's thrown 17 of them in five starts last season. You know, he was throwing it about 27% of the time. It might be a situation where maybe he does need to keep the sinker around just to you know, try to get some ground balls and and generate some weak contact because the forcing fastball, while it gets a lot of whiffs, you know, can be a little more prone to giving up home runs. So that's one concern that I have there. But overall, I do think Nick Lodolo is a buy. Um, it just might be a situation where, like we saw with Tyler Malley, I think in 2021, he had a really good year. I think he had 218 strikeouts. It was just it came with like a three seven ERA rather than what could have been a low threes ERA in a different environment. That might be the situation with Nick Lodolo, but you know, I, I would bet on him getting the ERA below four. Certainly. I think with Lodolo, it's just a case of bitter and better for sure. Like there's going to be more good than bad. 
But there yes. are going to be some starts, especially as a young pitcher in his first full major league season, really, because he dealt with injuries last year. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some bad starts. There are going yeah. to be some games where if he doesn't have his be- best command, he plays for a bad baseball team that won't bail him out very often. And you're going to have some three and a third, five earned run starts that are going to frustrate you and maybe hurt your league. But more times than not, I think Nicola Dolo is going to be just fine. I would be buying low on him as well. Um, if somebody's offering me a, a really strong starting option for Nick Lodolo, like, um, let me ask you this. If someone offered you Chris Sale for Nick Lodolo right now, which side are you taking? I would rather have uh, Lodolo. Okay, there you go. That's that's that that is high praise. And I think that's right. And uh, I think that's more compliment to Lodolo than insult to Sale. Like, but again, yeah. be prepared that there will be some starts that make you go. Yeah. I- I need to block Chris Towers and Chris Crawford on Twitter. Is, I, I think you, you might want to do that anyway. I think you just need to look at the, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I tweet a lot. I understand. That. Uh, <laughs> I, I, every time I meet someone in real life and they're like, I follow you on Twitter. It's like, Oh God. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's and, but I, I think you just look at Lodolo's game log so far, you know, two starts ago, he was entering his start with a two twelve ERA and 20, 27 strikeouts and 17 innings. He'd been amazing. And then the last two starts, the home runs hurt him and then, you know, led to some ugly results. And I think that's probably just going to happen. And, you know, it, it you might notice a bit of a different tone between how we're talking about Snell and how we're talking about Lodolo, even though the the end result might be fairly similar. Very similar. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I have them ranked fairly close to each other. Yeah. And my overall rankings, I think they're separated by only a, a few spots. So I, I do view them fairly similarly. It's just, I guess with Lodolo, I have a little more faith that maybe he could become something other than that kind of frustrating, inconsistent starter. But I think the sure. likeliest outcome is that. Totally makes sense. I uh, want to close with a guy that even calling him saying concern is a little bit weird, but I wanted to talk about Logan Webb for a little bit. Now he was great in his last start. He gave up one run against a good Mets lineup and eight strikeouts, but before that had allowed at least four runs did get hurt by his defense. in one of those starts uh, one and four on the season, the giants have won five straight, but don't look like a very good baseball team for me to me. I'll, if you drafted Logan Webb, you were tri- probably drafting him as either your number one starter or a close number two, like a very good second option. Do you think Logan Webb is somebody that you would be looking to sell high on based on some concerns about concerns about win chances and some so-so results so far in April? It's been a weird start for Logan Webb uh, because he's never been... He, in 2021, he was kind of a strikeout pitcher, especially in the second half. He started throwing that slider more and and got really good results. This season, he's not throwing his slider more. In fact, he's throwing his sinker more than ever. His sinker has a 5% whiff rate, which is stunningly low even for a sinker. Right. And yet he's getting more strikeouts than ever. 29.5% strikeout rate. You know, obviously the first two or first start was 12 strikeouts, but even then he's had basically a strikeout per inning every right. start except for one. And so I don't know quite what to make of that. His changeup results have been outstanding. I don't know if he made any changes to that pitch. It doesn't really look like it in the, you know, the underlying numbers. So I think there's mostly just noise there. I don't know. I, I tend to think I would buy Logan Webb just mm-hmm. because it, this is a profile of pitcher that I do like quite a bit and and what i mean by that is guys who if nothing changes about their skill set should be pretty good because they keep the ball in the yard they don't walk guys you know that those are that that kind of skill set it's pre-breakout sandy alcantara obviously very different approaches to getting there but right you know I, i think logan webb's the kind of guy who should be a pretty good source of of ratios even if you know he doesn't take a big step forward and we're seeing here that maybe there is a path to taking a step forward you know maybe there's yeah. a path to throwing the change up in the slider more leaning into the strikeouts and you know still having what should be pretty good results on balls and play because the changeup especially gets a ton of ground balls that that right. looks like a you know a, a potentially really special pitch right now and so i i do think logan webb is someone i'd be more inclined to buy than not right now Totally fair. I, I just will point out, I am concerned about 
because of this this crazy world we live in where we value the W, I'm not sure he's going to get a ton sure. of chances. And that is yeah, that is fair. my one thing. So, like, if you can move him for a guy who has a similar profile that plays for a better team, I might be looking into that a little bit if you see that your team is low on the win totals. One other thing you could do is just kill the win. We, 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 have, the, we have the technology. Let's yeah. get rid of the win and the save. Sorry, Rotowire. I know that we I know that we are supposed to be uh, in love with these statistics, but we are just not. Chris, thank you so much for doing this. Please promote all the great stuff that you're doing over at CBS. Uh, yes, yeah, CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, five days a week with uh, Frank Stanfall and Scott White, and Chris Welsh comes on once a week to help us out. Uh, Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Make sure you subscribe to that. CBSSports.com slash newsletters. If you play fantasy football, I'll have. Uh, post-draft reactions tonight tomorrow morning uh sunday so make sure you check all that out yeah it's great stuff and (sighs) seahawks please don't screw this up please don't screw this up we don't want to pick in the top five again please do not screw us up thanks so much for all the stuff that uh thanks so much for joining us and thanks again to chris for coming to the show you can follow me at crawford underscore milb and you can follow chris at c tower cbs we lost our check marks but we're still doing okay aren't we yeah it's still officially us even without the check marks even without those blue little marks uh please hit like and subscribe and make sure you're following all of our socials and a reminder that we have a new episode of the rotowire fantasy baseball podcast every single day Thanks again, and we'll talk real soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.